Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter. I am Ashraf Engineer. On September 6, 2018, the Supreme Court ruled that consensual same-sex acts would no longer be a crime. The historic ruling finally read down Section 377 of the Indian Penal Code, a colonial law that should have been struck down decades ago. The judgment was followed by great celebration among the Indian and global LGBT communities and by human rights activists. It was hailed as a step towards acceptance and equal rights, but more than two years later, equality and acceptance may still be elusive. All Indians matter. We have on the show Nitin Karani, who has been involved with resolving problems facing the Indian LGBT community, both informally and on the boards of gay rights organizations since 1994. He was one of the 15-odd people who took part in India's first Pride celebration, the Friendship Walk, held in Kolkata on July 2, 1999. Nitin has written about equal rights and liberty and been featured in various publications, mainstream and gay, at home and abroad. He was a tax consultant for several years before he switched to journalism in 1996. And after nine years as a feature writer and copy editor, Nitin moved to the corporate world. In 2009, a few weeks before a Delhi court first re-legalized same-sex relations, Nitin met his husband-to-be and in 2019, they were married in New York where they had gone to participate in the World Pride Parade, which marked the 50th year of the Stonewall Riots and the Global Gay Rights Movement. Nitin lives with his parents, husbands, and their three cats in Mumbai. Welcome to the show, Nitin. Thanks, Ashraf. Uh, sorry, I apologize about a slightly hoarse throat and weak voice. Uh, absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. But my first question, Nitin, three cats, that's quite a handful. <laughs> it is, actually. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it just happened. It wasn't planned, <laughs> you know. So, they're rescued cats. We didn't adopt them or buy them. Yeah, yeah. The pets are such a joy. But Nitin, let, let, let me come straight to the topic that uh, we were to discuss today. You know, many people, including me, have always held that it's not just a battle for sexual rights, but it's about human rights. Would you agree? Yeah, I do agree with you uh, that it's a question of human rights, not just sexual rights. Uh, Section 377, before the Indian Supreme Court read it down in 2018, criminalized sexual acts alone. The state was required to prove that the accused had so-called carnal intercourse against the order of nature in order to successfully prosecute him. <clears throat> so the law was the first roadblock on the path to full equality for LGBTI people in India. For example, if sexual acts between people of the same sex are crime, how does one then ask for recognition of same-sex marriages? There are many other ways that LGBTI people continue to be prevented from the pursuit of happiness and full expression. Where is the liberty to be oneself, which is a given for heterosexual people? Nothing but the legal battle is won. But the one against prejudice continues, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, just one legal battle is over, although an important one. Uh, the war against irrationality must continue. Many obviously holding on to fixed baseless notions with perhaps more tenacity than before. Until that goes on, there will be little or no further gains for LGBT equality. We are fighting the battle on two fronts, in the courts and outside, to mobilize opinion in favor of good sense. A few like me are able to lead life fairly openly and to an extent unhindered despite the inequalities that's like this. But I'm hardly a good proxy for all LGBTI people. I think in the larger picture, the low-hanging fruit has been plucked. Uh, those easy to reason, uh, easy to see reason are, are allies already. The remaining are not going to be easy to win over. Right. And, and I think this prejudice also manifests self, itself in main, many ways, doesn't it? From Let's say from refusal to lease homes to LGBT couples, there's bias at work, bullying and so on. So have you seen any improvement on these fronts? 
Yeah, from the time I became uh, conscious of my attraction to people of my own sex, there has been a dramatic change. There was hardly anyone in India who had come out and was willing to speak to the media about LGBT issues and 377 when I first did. Today, there are a lot of people who are speaking out and organizing, writing movies, singing, painting, and what have you, even podcasting. There's a lot more openness thanks to the internet and digital media. So technology has been a great enabler of openness online and by extension offline. As more people come out, they shatter the myths in the minds of those willing to see the truth about us. If I may digress a bit, tech has been a boon for LGBTI people especially. When one is just beginning to accept one's orientation or gender identity, one may feel very isolated. Thanks to the worldwide web and social media, one is not alone. The pros of social media for LGBTI people probably outweigh the cons. Social media for us not just online dating and so on. Anyway, coming back to the question, over the years, not just thousands have come out, but there's been increasing acceptance by families at the workplace in the social sphere. Parents of LGBTI people have been organizing themselves. India's mental health bodies have declared, like the Western counterparts, much before them, that being gay is no mental illness. More importantly, they've come out against so-called conversion therapy. A lot of private workplaces, although not many, don't just talk about diversity and inclusion, but offer the same benefits as heterosexual people and more. Not just MNCs, but also some homegrown brands. Until mid-2000, they were too reluctant to talk about it, even behind closed doors. Anyway, many more brands are being inclusive in their advertising. I would love to see them make more real change within their organizations. Uh, you know what they see about the more things change, the more they stay the same. There is no discussion about diversity and inclusion in government employment, for example. You know, there are still too many people terrorized by the possible reaction of their families if they were to come out. And many couples who are forcibly split by their families. Individuals forced to run away from home and find shelter in larger cities with the help of community organizations. It's common to come across people in need of help every few weeks, even now. That's why suicide might have reduced, but they haven't stopped. Just a few kilometers from where I live, there's a posh business park where a young man was employed. Bullying at work broke him and he gave up on humanity and life. And this was just a couple of years ago after the Supreme Court verdict. But do you think the ruling at least has begun the process of change in mindset? So we are where we used to be. Actually, Ashraf, I would argue that the ruling was the outcome of a change in mindsets. Thanks to LGBTI individuals who refused to be silenced, the years of speaking out in the media, sharing of stories by those who had the courage to come out of the closet and the activism of those who framed Section 377 initially in terms of public health. The ruling has been praised by many lawyers as a fine one. Perhaps it is even evocative of great literature, as those who know English literature say. Yeah, I think it, it was. He, he, I remember the ruling actually had a lot of uh, poetry or at least literature exact, extracts from uh, literary works in it. I'm not an expert in that either, but I'm willing to grant all of that. I freely admit I don't know better. Thanks to the ruling, there is again hope for a fairer world among LGBTI people. Also, with the, the way Section 377 was interpreted in courts before the ruling was an impediment for employers who did want to offer the same benefits to all employees. Benefits such as medical insurance for spouses, for example. The reinterpretation has only opened some doors that's created the possibility of throwing open several other doors. For example, asking that the government recognize same-sex marriage. There are, I think, three cases in the courts on the issue. But I wouldn't get the ruling per se with changing many people's views. The media reportage about the entire legal process, the 
hearings in both the Delhi High Court and the Manchester Supreme Court, those certainly help to have a wider discussion of the question whether a person should spend years in prison for a victimless crime and the broader question of the place of LGBTI people in society. Uh, also, like you mentioned, uh, same-sex marriages and you know other benefits. But uh, just coming to that, there's a school of thought that the judgment itself was inadequate because while it does legalize uh, same-sex relations, the logical extension would be to legalize same-sex marriage, adoption by same-sex couples. Uh, there's a question of inheritance. All of this is yet to be dealt with. So what's your view on that? I'm not an expert in any kind of law, but even I can see that the question of marriage adoption was not before the courts. Moreover, the government laws were very were asking the court not to rule on any question except the application of Section 377 to private sexual acts of consulting adults. Maybe we should not look a gift horse in the mouth. On a side note, our understanding of the courts has evolved in these past few years. And we now appreciate that it takes a lot more than is apparent to us lesser mortals about how a case turns out ultimately. Uh, you know, speaking of the opposition of government lawyers and even within society, one of the arguments offered against the legalization of same-sex relations was that India is quote-unquote not ready for such widespread changes. So what would you say in response? Well, that's one of the oldest and most lame arguments still in currency. It ranks just above the argument that you have more important issues to worry about right now. Who is this we anyway? I mean, the country is too huge and varied to make sweeping statements like that. Those who make such arguments, did they ask every single person in the country whether they are ready? How long should we wait? I mean, why should some suffer for the supposed unpreparedness of others, huh? Absolutely. I think I, as far as I'm concerned, I think the law, the ruling itself came a few decades too late. In fact, uh, you know, Nitin, uh, one of the reasons why the government refuses to criminalize uh, marital rape is the same. They say India is quote-unquote not ready. And this was said in parliament. Just I'm just digressing a little bit. So, uh, India does not have a comprehensive anti-discrimination regulation. And while the constitution pro- broadly prohibits discrimination, in practice, there are several examples of discrimination. For example, you know, employment opportunities are fewer for LGBT people, for example. Uh, you think it's time for better anti-discrimination regulation too? Well, there have been cases of discrimination. I don't dispute that at all. I mean, some of them very prominent cases, uh, big tech companies, uh, not too long ago. Anyway, uh, government offices, PUs, PSUs and the contractors certainly should not discriminate in employment, promotions and so on. Also, we need to be able to sue government employees who do discriminate against LGBTI individuals they have to deal with. I mean, the government has to deal with the people, the public in so many different ways on a daily basis. So we mustn't allow state-sponsored discrimination in any form. The Supreme Court ruling actually mandates sensitization of all government employees, especially the police. Let's pursue that, I would say. As for the private sector, I think I mentioned earlier there has been some progress. Plus, a lot of individuals and organizations are already actively making efforts in that direction. There's a new private voluntary ranking of LGBTI-friendly organizations, which was started just launched just a couple of months ago. I hope that their tribe grows. And uh, now that we have read down 377, uh, what are the next steps you would like to see in terms of law? Mm, Diversity inclusion at the government workplace, um, official recognition of same-sex marriages. There's more I could say here about state licensing of marriages, but let's leave that for another time. Then uh, no bar on surrogacy and adoption by adults who are competent, straight or LGBTI. I'm not asking for much, am I? Yeah, no, no, I don't think so. I think these are basic uh, human rights that are available to everybody else. So why not to LGBT? Yeah, let's go back in time a little bit. Uh, You know, while most people know that uh, 377 has been read down, most people don't know actually 
that it was a it was a very very long process it took several years uh, could you tell the listeners a little bit about how the process began and how it progressed and ultimately led to the ruling yeah it definitely deserves a book um, there might be one already out i'm not aware uh, but uh, it's not possible to for me to really uh, tell you in brief on a podcast or even to write down a few pages in a book uh, it's not just because it's taken so many years but also the twists and turns sometimes really mind boggling ones legally it started with a plea by an organization of lawyers and activists in delhi uh, they were called the aids bedba virodhi andolan or abva in 1994 they wanted uh, tihar jails then inspector general of prisons was kiran bedi by the way to allow the group to distribute condoms to male prisoners in order to prevent the spread of hiv uh, bailey's argument was that distributing condoms meant promoting homosexuality which was against section 377 so the battle ended in a very different way of course on 6 september 2018 that to after multiple curative petitions despite curatives with you know supposed to have little chance of success going by history so along the way Uh, the lawyers started multiple strategies for many years it was just one senior lawyer alan grover and his organization the lawyers collective and a countrywide bunch of lgbt organizing individuals reposed their trust in grover and his client anjali gopalan's nas foundation india so there were several consultations that they did uh, through the long years of hope and disappointment with the uh, different organizing individuals uh, with the nas case in the delhi high court being in deep freeze for most of its life you remember the di- lawyers dialogue from the movie damini right oh, you mean tarikh pe tarikh yeah absolutely in the end though, another cringe worthy bollywood dialogue is probably more apt bhagwan ke teer mein ghar mein de hai par andar nahi how do you believe the lgbt discourse overall in india has evolved i mean are you happy with the general way it has progressed mm, uh, the coverage in the indian language press has evolved from what i hear i don't track those publications myself i don't only track the english language media uh, to this day there are some non mainstream sites in english who will have a statement that goes let me quote verbatim begin quotes homosexual relationships are becoming increasingly common in india after the supreme court established it was legal in 2018 increasingly common not increasingly visible but increasingly common anyway so the online trolling and the stereotyping in films hasn't stopped i do hope today's kids are more tolerant than adults and there's no name calling or bullying when i was in school i was blissfully unaware of what was going on around me anyway i don't know any school going kids in india today i hope kids are okay if i were paying i would give my children age appropriate sex education anyway to come back to the main point i do suspect that lots more homophobia will be unleashed when it looks like you know we are moving towards another legal milestone for equality i think that's where we are yeah yeah uh, but, but i think also nitin one of the observations is that the discourse has been largely urban centric but obviously the community exists equally in rural areas too and so what do rural members of the community face have you worked with any of them I mean, do you know what's going on there uh, no i haven't worked directly with uh, rural organizations uh but there are credible reports of sorry events both in the media and from lgbt organizations that i know uh, from where i'm sitting i i don't pretend to know what the full extent of the situation is outside the metros if there are unnerving reports of other forms of discrimination on the basis of, of caste religion and class and i can't imagine how it must be to live with a secret about sexual orientation or gender identity but i can give you an example of a dear gay friend though let's call the friend r around 25 and hails from a tier 2 town of maharashtra our family back in the town lives a decent life while our works and lives here in the suburbs of bombay 
so far r has managed to push back against the pressure to get married to a personal opponent but r's family is apparently ignorant why r does not want such a marriage it increasingly looks like r may sadly cave into the pressure to get married despite all the legal mental health and social support that is available here 10 years ago in a metro you know that would not have surprised many over the years i've seen this story repeat far too frequently from far too close to it's really heartbreaking right in fact in fact there have been some uh, you know stray reports of honor killings and quote unquote corrective rapes also uh, of the lgbt community i'm talking about the rural areas here Uh, so which was the context in which i asked yeah definitely i mean uh, there was even a report not too long ago of a boy being uh, raped you know to set him right and that too in a, a metro city so so i mean i as i said i really can't imagine what's going on in the rural areas and i, I can't pretend to speak for them within uh, what are the consequences of coming out even today okay if i were to generalize i mean our lives are not static so coming out is a continuous process and we are constantly figuring it out whom to come out to when to do it how to do it and so on so but overall we are coming out more and more and more people are coming out so that's wonderful and the response to coming out can be equally varied and often pleasantly surprising because mostly we fear the worst outcomes of course things don't always turn out as we wish and sometimes our fears are not based where possible every coming out should be a considered decision with a plan b and c and d and all factored in sometimes though we don't have the luxury of choice and we are pulled out of the closet kicking and screaming for example my mom outed me to my cousin and the cousin's husband but that proved to be my good fortune actually it helped my mom accept me because my cousins were so supportive of me uh, little lack of sensitization also is a serious issue i mean we spoke a little bit about it earlier uh, would you like to see it begin in schools just less like we are talking today of introducing sex education in schools there surely should be some sensitization about same sex relations too definitely i mean that should be part of sex education uh, whoever does it uh, over the years uh, lgbt community organizations have been sensitizing different groups of people police officials educationists medical students hospitals and so on you know earlier i spoke about the rulings mandate to sensitize all government employees that definitely needs to happen that is the government's responsibility for kids i would encourage parents to have such discussion with their own children i mean i think that would help kids become more comfortable about reaching out to their parents for help if they do need to i mean this is not an academic subject that makes teachers somehow more qualified than parents to talk about it let's let's just move on a little bit now to the economic implications of uh, really the reading down of 377 essentially the pink economy what is called the pink economy uh, do you know the likely size of it in india and the top sectors it could benefit mm, ashwa i can't go into estimates myself but uh, some consulting firms estimates suggest around 200 billion dollars and that was as of 2009 So we now in 2021, so that's a long time. I'm not sure if any particular sectors were identified then, but here I must say that uh, I have come across LGBT people from all kinds of industries and trades. The stereotypes that exist are only because people in those industries have been more visible. By the way, my sense of fashion is the pits. If that were a qualification to be called gay, I would utterly fail. <laughs> Yeah, I think some. I mean, I read somewhere that you know, of course, the lifestyle industry, apparel industry, is of course one one ready something that readily comes to mind. But also, travel, I believe, was uh, cited as. Yeah, and then those stereotypes are being fueled by the 
film industry especially and yeah in fact a study by the university of massachusetts amherst uh, economics professor lee badget said india had been losing 1.4% of its national output when 377 was still in force and he had studied the issue for the world bank so that means discriminating against the lgbt community was costing india 26 billion dollars a year uh, how does an inclusive environment boost economies i would make some common sense arguments or at least what seems like common sense to me for starters if uh, many people are putting their energies into gaining equal rights and you know which are, of course has benefits uh, they are engaged in a, they could have been engaged in other kinds of productive work instead of people like me who are engaged part time with issues we could be using that time for you know other productive or creative pursuits then we would all be contributing more to the economy and leading less stressful lives and second if all people are able to live life with less friction to focus on other work uh, either work or uh, bringing their whole selves to work and not worrying about being found out or accepted uh, you know or to spend time on we could spend time on whatever makes us happy then we would definitely be able to spend happier healthier longer more productive lives i, I think that's just logical uh, not all such gains can be easily measured in gdp terms of course but it's not difficult to imagine the gains and the gains of gross national happiness is put on say and as far as india inc is concerned what policies would you like to see them introduce for the community uh, well the top brands the uh, top uh, global mncs have already shown the way whether it's in terms of partner benefits insurance cover adoption leave so it's more a question of the rest of the private sector following suit gradually and i think they will because in you know, free market firms have the need to compete for talent not just lgbt talent but also other talent that considers inclusiveness while seeking a job the, the bigger issue is the public sector which has yet to make a beginning to become inclusive we cannot just give up on that sector and focus on the rest so what if it's been a traditionally slow moving creature i mean change has to begin there as well right and in fact it's a very large employer so you can't really leave it out of your plans for overall absolutely yeah. we've been just ignoring it so far i think and within my last question really how can the lay person especially the young because you know 87% of the listenership of this podcast is under 30 years of age especially the young how can they support the lgbt cause well teach your kids well do challenge homophobic or transphobic comments or jokes by peers always remember not to assume someone's sexual orientation or gender identity in either way remember that it's not easy for people to come out people can take years don't be a passive supporter a pride march is the one time of the year that you have a chance to be vocal in your support so march at pride if there's nothing stopping you or at least clear from the sidelines if nothing else support petitions against discrimination on lgbt causes and organizations if you can at the very least do not discriminate against people no matter what your beliefs treat others as equals absolutely doable and nitin uh, thanks so much for being part of the show and speaking about what is in its essence a human rights issue thank you ashraf for having me it was a pleasure it's our pleasure and thank you all for listening please visit www.allindiansmatter.in that's a w l i n d i a n s m a w t e r i n for more columns and audio podcasts you can follow me on twitter at ashraf engineer that's a s h r a f e n g i n w r and all indians count that's a w l i n d i a n s c o u n t search for the all indians matter page on facebook on instagram the handle is all indians matter email me at editor at all indians matter.in catch you again soon idea blue studios